Hi, I'm David Subkoyak. I'm Annie Asher. And we are the hosts of a brand new podcast called Passive Aggression. Passive Aggression is an entertainment lifestyle podcast that covers anything and everything. We have different episode types discussing big moments, entertainment, our personal favorites, and specific topics. We take deep dives into general topics like how to live the say lovey lifestyle and why is reality TV great. And we love discussing movies like Legally Blonde and shows like Glee. Each episode culminates with our flames and chains, where we talk about the best and worst parts of our weeks. Annie and I are best friends, pop culture phenoms, and teenagers who love to chit-chat. If you are looking for a way to spice up your day by learning something new, or by hearing some candid opinions, be sure to listen to Passive Aggression on all platforms. You can follow us on Instagram at Passive Aggression Pod for behind the scenes, giveaways, updates, and so much more. Our episodes are released every Tuesday. See you there. This is Zoe. We don't usually do this, but I want to put out this trigger warning that there are elements of this film and the following discussion that involves depression and suicide. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, two, three, three. Thank you for joining the Backlit Cinema Podcast with Zach and Zoe. On this show, we take a look back at the movies of yesteryear. That means we're going to talk about some of the best movies from the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. So thank you for joining us. Now let's get it started in here. Hi, this is Zach. And this is Zoe, and thank you for joining us. This is our 36th episode. We are chugging right along. The reason we started this show was to strengthen the bond between my son, Zach, and me, Zoe. We watch movies that we love when I was growing up in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, and we get Zach's impression on these great movies. You can get t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, face masks, jerseys, and eat more at our website, backlookcinema.com, where you can click the link to enter teesprings.com or tpublic.com. And please, if you follow us on, well, see, I'm starting to mess up already. I'm reading from the script and, and, I'm, and they're my own words. I type these words and I'm messing them up. Uh-huh. <laughs> this, this continue reading. And please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can find the details in the show notes. There are direct links to our socials at backlookcinema.com where you can leave us direct feedback comments suggestions etc or you can email us at fanmail at backlookcinema.com and please if you like our show then rate and review us on apple podcast or whatever podcast app that you might be using all right we did it we got through it so what have you been up to this week zach uh there's a game i play called War- uh werewolf apocalypse werewolf apocalypse yeah i think that's what it's called all i know is werewolf and apocalypse is in the title that that's actually it sounds like a fun game yeah you think it sounds like a fun <laughs> game but when it comes to the animation you're like oh, you could have worked on this a little longer you know and then the gameplay the stealth is has little issues because when you're trying to sneak around you're mostly in your you're gonna be mostly in your wolf form because you're trying to get away quicker mm-hmm. but regardless there's not like much to really have a good way to sneak around. There's no map to see the cone of vision that these enemies have. <laughs> oh, it's not not like a metal gear. No, and it's like, yeah, I'm trying to sneak around, but there's no. There's like there's a way to tell that if they see you, it's like they will have like a like an exclamation point. Not an exclamation, like a 
it's like a image of a body figure and if it like gets to like if it fills up it'll go from white to orange and then if they find you it goes to red the issue is when it's in orange it is stuck in orange right. it's not like you can go back in the vents it's like oh nothing here no the moment you go in the vents they stay in place you go out they go back to look and i'm like it's, wait that's not even like, fair it's kind of like real life it's like once they realize that there's something there they're always going to suspect yeah but the moment something. you go in the vents they they just stay in place they're not even looking no more even right. if you go to the other side they're still not looking i'm like that's not even fair you're, you're just you're, you're legit making them wait until i'm back in that same area for them to actually look around uh-huh. that's not even fair uh, I don't know. I, I guess you'll you'll um you'll find a workaround. The yeah, li- I do. It's <laughs> like oh well, might as well fight them then. Because you got your little wolf form, then you got your big big werewolf form. I'm like okay, right. yeah, well whatever, fine. The last uh, stealth game I played was um, it was one of the uh, what is it called? Um, I can't remember the name of the game. It, it was one of those Nazi games. Is the Nazi Wolfenstein? I'm about to say Wolfenstein. Yeah. So I have I still have that downloaded. So I don't even remember if because they have stealth elements in that game. Yeah, they have stealth elements. So I don't remember if they had like a cone or anything like that. But I do remember a lot of sneaking around. <laughs> it's like I understand Metal Gear Solid was one of those games that had a cone vision. Right. But I'm pretty sure you can all have cone visions in your game. No, no, you, you gotta Listen, figure this out like real life. No, <laughs> no, it's a game. I need a map and cone vision so I know that okay, I can go this way, sneak around. No, instead it's like oh yeah, no. Right. You don't get that many options to sneak around. Right. It's either you fight or you sneak. Right, right. Yeah. Well, there are some. I think Assassin's Creed, they also had stealth elements, but um, it, it wasn't as, like, in at that game, there's no. Creed, um, at least in Assassin's Creed, they may not be a comb, but at least there's a way to know when they're looking or right, where right, they're right, at. Right, right. Yeah. I was about to say, there's no there's no cone in Assassin's Creed. So um oh, oh also and there's a way to hide a body in this game because you assassinate someone you can't even drag the body yeah the body's there in like broad that. daylight and I'm oh, like also what was that oh shit I can't remember I think it was called eighteen sixteen something or other um yeah I know you're talking about where that, you're that spy game where you is in first person first person are you talking about the one on a PlayStation one game it's PlayStation four four. Are you it, sure it's it, kind of a short game? I, for, I forgot what it was called, but anyway, it's it's an it'll probably come to me as I'm driving you to work. So it's it's a game where it's like in the 1800s, right? And you you dress, it has like yeah, yeah. Kind see, of I know you're talking about element. yeah, your steampunk element. You're hunting down world of werewolves. Well, there are werewolves and vampires in the game, but it's mostly you're trying to stop this conspiracy, right? Because you're an agent of this organization that that I think they deal with the supernatural. I can't remember. But I then mean, they're very old people. Right. But the thing is they're keeping alive by using whatever they're using to stay alive. I can't even remember. But what happens is that uh you uh what you call it? You it's first person and, and stealth is like the main way of getting around. And so I don't remember if that had cones either, but they did have like a bunch of weapons that you could take people out. I don't think you got the high bodies in that game either. But that was a real fun game. They they had made a sequel and then they made like a like a min- not a mini game, but like a short version of the game. I think I can't. Memory is dead. My memory is dead. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I do love stealth games. Stealth games are fun. Um, yeah, it's only fun when you can hide the bodies. If you can't hide the bodies, <laughs> it's pointless. It's not even a stealth game. <laughs> so uh, you saw you saw what I got yesterday. Yeah. 
I got that. Uh, you you got a flight stick. Yeah, I got a flight stick. It's a. I didn't know they even made flight sticks for PlayStation Four because I had gotten the uh, that Star Wars game. Listen, if they make drive sticks for PS Four, they're gonna make a flight stick for the PS Four. Yeah, it, and that's what I thought. But like when I first bought the Star Wars, it's called Rebels Rebel some Rogue Squadron. No, it's not Rogue Squadron. Anyway, you guys know what the the flight simulator the Star Wars came out last year. You know what I'm talking about. So, anyways, I, when I bought that game, I had looked for a flight stick. You know, something uh, lesser expensive. Not uh, well, something that was compatible, or whatever. And I couldn't find it originally. And then um, there was another game came out called uh, Rebel Outlaws, something, something or other. And I was looking for um, a flight stick specifically to play that game also. And I was considering whether I should play it, uh, buy it for the PC and just play it on the PC, or if I should download it on PlayStation and just use the regular controllers on PlayStation. And um, I was like, well, let me, and I put it off. I didn't, I didn't buy it. So, because uh, it looks really good. But I couldn't decide whether to buy it for PC, PC or PlayStation. One one thing about the PC version, if when you get your ship, you can personalize your ship. You can put your own decals and designs on the ship. You can't do that in PlayStation. And uh, that kind of personalization is really appealing to me. So I put it off. And then just the other day, I was at Best Buy. And it just so happened to see a whole ton of flight sticks for PlayStation 4. And I was like, this is mine. I'm buying it. <laughs> So you saw me uh, messing with that yesterday. Yeah, For, it makes the game a, a little bit easier, but uh, I still am not good at that game. I, I don't think I would be good at any game where I'm doing that. Where I'm, where uh, where it's a flight simulator, and uh, I can't figure out why. Actually, maybe the controls are are too loose, so I'm trying to tighten up the controls. I need to figure out the settings that work for me. Um, so so that's all I've been doing. Uh, I, I'm still reading. Uh, that book from Donna Needham, um, My Days with the Dark Muse, and and listen to podcasts. So I want to give a shout out to some of the podcasts. But first, I want to read this letter that uh, was sent by somebody who listened to our show. Uh, it said, in part, I'm not going to read the whole letter because it kind of goes on. But it said, in part, love, 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 love the last Dragon discussion. I can tell you are uh, as passionate about that movie as i am it was great to hear your kids talk about their reaction that was from troy sawyer and he is from the not a bomb podcast that i've been listening to and that's a fun podcast we we kind of cover the same movies their angle is that they cover movies that bombed at the box office but are still great movies Mm -hmm. like big trouble in little china right (laughs) that was a great movie and it totally bombed it and so was the dra- last dragon. The last dragon was a great movie, but kind of bombed at the box office. So that's his angle. So I'm supposed to be joining him for uh, a show he's doing. He sent me a list of shows. I chose the show. I was like, yeah, let me let me look at. Let's talk about that show. So we're going to be doing that in the future. Uh, I also want to send a shout out to the Film Effect Podcast, Silver Screeners, Cask and Crow, the VHS Files, the Final Draft, Film Seizures. And uh, recent guest, Dawn and Needham of the Better Two podcast. I've been listening to all those shows. They're all great. I've been placing some of my older shows with these shows. Because <laughs> I guess I'm doing a deep dive into cinema podcasts. I mean, I just like the podcasts that are sim- uh, similar to our shows. So, um, Zach, what 
did we lick at yesterday? Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. Because I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> Martin Riggs is an L.A. cop with suicidal ten, uh, ten, tendencies. Ten, okay, tendencies. And Roger Murtaugh M- Murtaugh hmm, is the unlucky police officer who with uh, with whom Riggs is assigned. Together, they uncover a huge drug smuggling operation. And as they as their success rate grows, so does their friendship. That was by Graham. Yeah, Graham Roy. Yeah, I should have I should have went over some of these spellings because uh, the spellings of these names are gnarly, to say the least. But yeah, I, I got that from IMDb, and uh, it basically uh, brilliantly encapsulate the movie. It's uh, really about their relationship and less about the case that they're on. Because I mean, do you remember the case? Yeah. Okay. Well, what was the case about? Basically, some girl was, uh, at first it was thought it was a suicidal case, but it was like, no, it wasn't. Actually, she was poisoned. Then, and because Murtaugh knew who the girl was, or didn't really know. He, he knew was, the family. Yeah, knew the family. Uh, talked to the guy, and the guy was like, I want revenge. Please go kill him. And he's like, okay, well, now I got to dig further into this and figure out, uh, you know, who gave her the drugs, who was with her that night. And then why? And why, why did they do killed. it? Right. So it's it's a kind of a huge conspiracy. Uh, and it's basically, it's all about drugs. In the 80s, it was really all about drugs. Oh, so you might hear fireworks. That's because you have people firing fireworks ever since goddamn June. Right. Since June. And uh, this is the day after the 4th of July. So you're going to hear fireworks Today is just, today is July. Oh, today 4th. is the fourth of July. Yes, I am so confused. Yeah, because they've been fireworks <laughs> since the third. See, it's like I heard them last night, so I thought last night was the third. That's right. It, today is the fourth of July, and uh, oh well, we we'll, we we'll just have to deal with it. Um, I was asleep last night, and I was woken up by boom, boom. Oh, so that so that boom did wake you. I was like, I wonder that yeah. woke up the old man. It's crazy. So, anyways, um, uh, th- this is being recorded on the fourth of July. Hmm. On the 4th of July. So happy belated 4th of July to everybody. And uh, and we will probably hear these fireworks well into August because people will fire off fireworks just because. <laughs> yeah, because the cops won't do anything to stop them because apparently it's supposed to be illegal in Maryland, but you know. I mean, but how can you? I mean, you set a firework and you can run. It's like nobody's going to notice or see you and, and people are don't want to report somebody who's setting off fireworks. It's just of not that. Not. It's just not that important. So anyways, uh, this movie was released March 6, 1987 by Warner Brothers. It grossed over $65 million in the U.S. and Canada and over $120 million worldwide on a $15 million budget. It has generally favorable reviews. So it did it did pretty well. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it did pretty well <laughs> and that's like let's do some sequels and they did a bunch of sequels and a tv series so last night when i went and i told your mom i was like so and your nephew was in the room mm-hmm. i was like yeah, yeah uh we watched lethal weapon and your nephew was like i thought they canceled that i was like no not the tv show young buck it was <laughs> it was the movie like the original movie that's what we watched <laughs> so uh this movie is starring mel gibson as martin riggs now we know that mel gibson has a problematic history to say the least you yep. know with his mouth and drunkenness and his 
attitude towards certain people. But I can't deny he's one of the greatest actors of our time. <laughs> he's been in some of the best movies that I have ever seen, uh, including this one. So he's also appeared in Braveheart, which strangely, strangely enough, I've never seen. The Patriot, Ransom, and Maverick. Then we have Danny Glover, who who was played as Roger Murtoff. He was in The Color Purple, Shooter, Dreamgirls, and Proud Mary. Yeah, Danny Glover is also one of those prolific actors uh, and just acts continuously, appears in everything. <laughs> it, it's, uh, actually, it seems to have gotten to the point where he doesn't care where he appears in. He can appear in a great film. He can appear in a director video. You never know when you're going to see Danny Glover. But every time you see Danny Glover, it's a delight. It also has Gary Boosie as Joshua or as he was referred in the film, Mr. Joshua. <laughs> he was in the Buddy Holly story, Predator 2, Point Break, and Under Siege. And I know what, what you're thinking out there. You're thinking he was also in he was also in Predator 2 with uh Danny Glover, and and you're right. <laughs> All right, now we have Mitchell Ryan. He uh, yeah, yeah. he played the general. Uh, he was in Grossy Pointy. What? It's gross. Okay, point. gross, gross point blank. Mm. Liar, liar, and spy game. Yeah, Mitchell Ryan is a character actor. Whenever you need a uh, a white man of authority, whether he's a good guy or a bad guy, he usually plays the bad guy. That's the guy you call. It, he's kind of like Jack Palance in that vein. He's he's always playing that type of character, and he he appears in everything, whether it's TV or. Or movies, he he's that guy. We also have Tom Atkins. He played Michael Hunsucker. He was in Halloween Three, Season of the Witch, The Fog, My Bloody Valentine, Three D. He has a lane. <laughs> then we have Darlene. Yes, uh, Darlene Love. She played Trish Mur- uh, Murtaugh. Yeah, she's uh, mainly she's a. Uh, like a, a performer like she she dances and sings that's her main lane but she was uh this is her first movie or she it said introducing darlene love so in a credit so I'm, I'm assuming that this is her first movie but she's really only appeared in lethal weapon franchise so um this movie and i forgot there was one more actress that was that was a, a main part of it that played the daughter i didn't realize she played such a big role because I totally forgot about the film. But she plays the daughter. She gets kidnapped. It's a whole thing. (laughs) So it was directed by Richard Donner. He directed Superman, Lady Hawk, Conspiracy Theory, and Scrooge. And you said you you saw Superman, right? Yeah. So um, there's a big controversy where he was actually directing Superman and Superman 2 simultaneously because when they were making Superman, they already knew that it was going to be a sequel. So he was doing both at the same time. And then studio interference caused him to leave the project as he was filming Superman 2. So they brought in another director to finish that. So there's another director's name on in those credits. But then I think in the last 10 years, they released the so-called Richard Donner cut, which had his original vision uh, in uh, Superman 2. So all of those that he directed, those are all great movies, uh, except I didn't see Conspiracy Theory, but I've heard good things about him. So he's a, prolific director every everybody really enjoys this movie so this movie was written by shane black and jeffrey bohm who's uncredited jeffrey bohm's uncredited in this movie and black has written 
The Nice Guys, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and Iron Man 3. And Boehm has written Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Dead Zone, and The Phantom. The Phantom being that uh, is based off a comic book character called The Phantom. The Ghost Who Walks. Hmm. Music by Eric Clapton and Michael Kamen? Kamen? Kamen, I think. Yeah, Do you know who Eric Clapton is? No. Read on, young man. Horrible. Uh, Clapton, famous recording artist known for his acclaimed albums, Eric Clapton, Money and Cigarettes, Journeyman, and many more. He worked on many films and TV projects. Carmen first daughter, uh, made music for First Daughter, Open Range, and X-Men. Right. So uh, I'm not exactly sure how, how, how they blended together, but I didn't realize that Eric Clapton had made music for film scores as well as putting out uh hot <laughs> that fire uh the fire albums that he that he's put out over the decades so the producers of this movie was Richard Donner, Jenny Lou or Jenny Lou Tugan and Joe Silver so huh. so that's it for the main breakdown of this movie yep. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back to talk about our favorite parts of the movie, some movie trivia, and find out what some of the critics thought. Travel season is once again upon us. You want to go to beautiful vistas. You want to go and visit marvelously different cultures. You want to stay at the most fabulously luxurious hotels. You want to dine on the finest local cuisines. You want to be greeted with friendship and love. Most importantly, you want to get away from it all. After years of isolation, Wakanda has opened, and the people of Wakanda will make all of this available to you. Visit Wakanda for an experience that will live with you forever. Wakanda forever! Alright, thank you. Welcome back. So, Zachary... What were your parts, your favorite parts of this movie? Remember, let's not narrate the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just want to hear your favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's see, when we were first introduced to Mel Gibson's character when he's doing his drug bust, that was a good scene. Yes, yes. Do you know when he was slapping her faces and whatnot, where that comes from? Oh, yeah, the Three Stooges. Right. <laughs> he was making a sound, too. Right, 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 right. Uh so that that was fun. That was fun. He's like, uh, and then at the end he says, "Now nah, this is real. That's a real badge, and this is a real gun." <laughs> uh, so that that first shoot, shootout was pretty cool. Yeah. Let's see when uh, Donald Glover is met uh, is introduced to his own partner, and he's like, "Oh, that guy has a gun. Wants to go tackle him, and only gets thrown onto the ground." Right. And they're mm. like, "Oh yeah." Meet your new partner. Right, like, right, right. I'm too old for this. <laughs> yeah, right, right. He says that throughout the entire Time franchise. Because yeah, throughout if, the movie and... I think he's like, what, 40, 40, 50? He's 50 years old. Yeah, 50 years Murtaugh old. Murtaugh is Murtaugh 50, 50 years old. And he's like, yeah, I'm too old for this. Because it's, it's on his birthday and he's celebrating his 50th well, birthday. Well, no, this is after his birthday. Like, he meet his partner after his right, birthday. Right, 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 right. But here's the thing. On his birthday, here, here's the part that kind of bothers me. I never totally missed it. When I first watched the movie, like it didn't bother me or didn't didn't raise any alarm. Come on, when he was in the bathroom, when he was kid. in the bathroom. Oh yeah, he's and in the his bathroom. whole family birthday, his kids, his like grown teenage daughter, 
the two little ones, his wife, they burst in with a giant birthday cake and he blows out the candles. But he's in a tub. There are no bubbles to hide his. I mean, there's barely, there, there are some bubbles. barely to... any bubbles in there to hide his, hide his uh, twigs and berries. And they're all, I was like, how are you doing this? How are you bursting in the bathroom when he's totally naked in the bathtub and you can see his nakedness? What is this? Is this the story of Job? <laughs> Huh, no, not the story of Job. I'm sorry. The story of Noah. Is this the story of Noah? This is this is gross. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, that, I was like, and that bothered me for a while. I was there watching the movie, still thinking about how his whole family burst in while he was naked in the bathtub. I mean, one thing that did bother me was how the daughter was looking at Mel Gibson. I was like, are they going to really address this in the movie? Because it's like you're trying to make her as a love interest, and I don't like that because Mel Gibson's <laughs> his character is older than the daughter. Both in real life and in the movie, so that's a little bothersome right there. Right, right. And it's like, oh yeah, they do address. And I was like, but still, why would you allow that? Because that happens in real life. You you do get sometimes your your daughter is attracted to your friend, your grown friend, and uh, that's that's when you have to have a heart to talk, uh, have a heart to heart talk. Like, no, no, you can't do that. <laughs> you have to have a heart to heart talk with your daughter or yeah. your son because it happens to sons too like no that person is off limits another scene that's good is when uh Murtaugh's like all right race go ahead talk to the person that wants to jump off the building he was like <laughs> okay just don't do anything stupid he's like yeah yeah i won't do anything and he proceeds to do something stupid by going near the guy and yet he is talking calm to him, offering him the cigarettes, but then put handcuffs on him, and then it throws the keys off. Tell him, you want to jump? Well, tell him, if you jump, you, uh, you, uh, I go with you, and then you murder me, and then basically you're a murderer. <laughs> right. And he's right. like, well, then he's like, I don't even want to jump. Now he's like, what you want to jump? Right? You want to jump? And then he proceeds to jump, and they both, and they, you know, they both fall onto a, um, it's, it's basically a giant airbag. Yeah, a giant airbag. And it's like, all right, Riggs, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm pretty sure you saw them. But at some point, it made me feel like you didn't even look down to see if they was ready to have it all set up. I think it was but already I, set up before you even went up. No, it wasn't. <laughs> they didn't have it set up yet. <laughs> but apparently, well, I don't I don't think he was trying to kill himself. I think he knew. Yeah, that I'm saying, it was I was like, he knew. He had like, to like, have known he, it was down there. Like, he's like, he looked down. I was like, all right, let's jump there. And then he's, he's like, like, do get you this- really want to? Do y'all really wanna? And they like, get this crazy maniac off of me. And then Riggs is like, all right, come here. Tell me, we need to talk. And he goes into a building that's being worked on because he tries to slam the door, but it doesn't work because <laughs> right, all he does right, is swings right, right. open the opposite way. <laughs> and I'm like, I understand you're mad and angry, but I'm surprised it's not a crowd looking in like, oh man, he's in trouble. Nah, nah I guess they're more concerned about the, the guy that had tried to uh, commit suicide. But yeah, that was a great argument that they had in there. And then uh, when when uh, when Murtaugh challenges Riggs to kill himself, he's like, just use my gun, use my gun. And he's like, he first he points out, no, put it in your mouth, put it in your mouth. <laughs> and then he actually starts to pull the trigger and Murtaugh slams his hand between the, uh, the hammer and uh, basically the, the bullet. And, and, and it hits his hand instead of hitting the bullet and killing and killing. And so Rick, he stopped Riggs from killing himself. But because the hammer hit his finger, he knew that Riggs really would have done it, you know, because he was like, he just barely stopped him from, 
from doing it. I thought he didn't really fully pull the trigger. He just no. Grabbed he, the gun. That's why he. That's why the hammer hit his hand. That I little, thought he grabbed the gun out of the hand no. before he pulled the trigger. I could have sworn that's what happened. No, he he. What happens is that because it's a it's a revolver. Yeah. So the, the revolver has a hammer that you pull back and then pull the trigger. That's how that weapon works. So it's not really automatic. You have to pull the trigger back. You have to pull the hammer back every time. Squeeze the trigger. So the hammer is already pulled back when you squeeze the trigger. Trigger the hammer goes forward, hits the bullet, or the uh the bullet has a, a gunpowder, yeah, gunpowder part of the bullet, and then shoots the round out, and then that's how that works. So what happened was Murtaugh slammed his hand between the hammer and the bullet, so the hammer hit his finger instead of hitting the bullet. And then he took the gun out of his hand, <laughs> and and it was in that moment that he realized that. Riggs is suicidal and he will kill himself given the right triggers. <laughs> so, I mean, it showed when in two scenes where he, uh, the drug bus scene, he was telling the cops to shoot because he didn't care. Right, right, right. And right. when he was home alone, he used his special bullet that he had and he was, you know, contemplating on it. I was like, oh, yeah, he's really suicidal. They just don't want to let other people know. Right, right, right. Uh, and and that's kind of and he was alone. And he gets uh, he's probably suffer uh, suffering from severe depression because of the loss of his wife. So he's uh, and so that basically put him in a bad spin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Let's see another good scene. Uh, I'm gonna say the shooting range. When they're in the shooting range. <laughs> You know, Murtaugh and Riggs are doing their thing. And then, uh, you know, Murtaugh has, you know, a few in the chest, a few in the head. Uh, Riggs, he's like, oh, mostly in the head, mostly definitely in the chest. Well, there, it's kind of the same, but yeah, Riggs same. has a much tighter Much, shot group. yeah so that the bullet holes are way closer together and they're almost neatly arranged yeah. in in the target and then Murtaugh, Murtaugh, he hits the target in the right spaces but it's like really spread out and then he and then, you know when they show each other see he was like you know what let me show you something that was Murtaugh. yeah Murtaugh. he was like he sold him he was like let me show you something put up a new seat had to go back at a good distance fired one shot Brought it back. He's like, see, look at that. And it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was, I can do it was in the head. It was yeah. a headshot. It was a headshot. He's like, yeah, because I can do better. And he didn't even actually say that. Yeah, he so didn't he say that. He but said, okay, he put up his own sheet. But no, 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 he didn't put up his own sheet. He, he, he oh, that's his, right. He used the he, same he sheet. He used the same sheet. He used the same and sheet. And he just moved. He just moved it all the way fur, like all the way back in sniper range. Right, right. And he's right. using what was it? I forgot what pistol. It was, he was basically a Beretta. Yeah, he was, but it was still a pistol. Put it all the yeah. way back. Aim shot or uh, what six times, and then when he brought it back, it was a smiley face on right. And then much, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Right, right, right. So he he shot a smiley face around the bullet hole that Murtaugh shot. So B- Murtaugh's <laughs> Murtaugh shot was like right in the center of the head. So that would be the nose. And then when Rig shot, he shot the two eye holes, and then he shot like four or five holes. For the mouth, so <laughs> a smiley face. And anyway, yeah, Murtaugh just looking at like <laughs> this man has too much of a sharp eye. Jeez. Right, right. Yeah. So Murtaugh realizes what a great, uh, what an incredible shot that Riggs is. Another good scene would be the torture scene when Riggs is uh tied up, water dripping on him, and then uh, he sees Joshua and some other guy. And he's like, I don't know anything. 
Yeah, wait, before we go on, do you recognize the other guy? Joshua? No, the oh, other, the other guy? The no. guy that was doing the actual no, torture. No, no, I don't. He he appears in a lot of movies. And I don't even know if that's his voice because it's like, is that him speaking or is it being dubbed? Because I've never heard, I don't remember hearing him speak before. But you've seen him in the last movie we watched. Okay, I'm trying to figure out who he was in that. Remember life. the big fight scene in Big Trouble in Little China? Oh, he was on the red side then. I don't remember which side he was on. He I'm had, pretty sure he was on the red side because I clearly remember there was a guy with long... Right, he has long hair. Yeah, he and, was on the red side. Right, right, right. He, was, he appears in a lot of movies. It's almost unexpectedly. So he, And he never changes his look. So whenever you see an Asian guy with long hair, it's like, yeah, that's my dude. <laughs> so... Go on with the torture. So, yeah, scene. he's getting tortured. He keeps telling them that he doesn't know anything. And the moment Joshua leaves, he goes ahead and kills the uh that guy who mm. was torturing him with the sponge uh, electric sponge. It's some kind of sponge yeah. car battery setup. Yeah, it's a sponge <laughs> car battery setup. I know <laughs> right. He kept uh because the whole point is like while the person is wet, you use the sponge on them. So you yeah, don't he was also Mel Gibson was also yeah. hanging from something. Yeah, he was also hanging, so that was another thing. Right. But then also, you know, every time Joshua would touch him and, you know, Joshua also gets shocked too. And I'm right, like, why right. would you touch him knowing you giving him the he shock was, treatment? He, he was pushing him back. Well, what happened was one time he had touched him while he was being yeah, shocked. Yeah, I'm like, and, he kept, and it did it happen a couple of times. Like, can you just stop? I understand you're swinging him, but just stop. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, and then, you know, uh, 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 Riggs kills the guy, exca- uh, was able to escape, goes to where... Uh, uh, Murtov that because uh, he's tied up with the general as he's getting you know tortured because he's telling them the same thing he doesn't know anything right 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 even though he kind of does because he was the one talking to his friend that got shot and killed right 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 and so he, he kind of knows wait he he really does neither of them really know the thing that the general is trying to figure yeah. out and that's when you know Riggs uh, comes in to save Murtov and his daughter because they're both there. Right, right. They had actually kidnapped um, the daughter earlier in the movie to get uh, Murtaugh and Riggs to come to their location where where they were captured. They tried to have like a counter, a kind of like a counterattack plan. Yeah, but it didn't work because out. They, they fooled the terrorists into think or the drug dealers into thinking that uh, I keep shaking the table <laughs> into thinking that Riggs was dead. Right. So Murtaugh goes there alone to, in the desert. So they have this big shootout, which is kind of neat. Uh, well, actually, what, what happened was, as they were negotiating, Murtaugh was re- negotiating the return of his daughter. Uh, he was able to get his daughter. And then, uh, well, actually, he didn't get he his daughter. He didn't get yet. his daughter because it's he had that, a grenade <laughs> saying, I will tell him I will blow us all up. Or he, and he's like, tell him he won't do it. He said, well, I will. If my daughter's going to die, it's because of my hand. She's going to die because of me. Right. And, and then, then they're like, that's not a real grenade. So they shoot his. They shoot him in the shoulder. He drops a grenade. It's actually a smoke bomb. Not a smoke bomb, but a smoke grenade. Right, right, right. And that allows Muratal, uh, Riggs to go ahead and start sniping people off. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, and, but their plan doesn't work. They, they eventually get captured. Yeah. Um, and so that leads up to the scene that you're talking about where they, where getting Riggs tortured. is getting, getting electrocuted, where he frees himself and Murtaugh is being he, punched in the face. Punched in the face, <laughs> getting his, uh, I think they put gunpowder in his wound. It was salt. They put salt, salt oh, in his salt wound. Oh, salt in his wound. Right. Yeah, that hurts a lot. <laughs> You know, they escape, and then they have a, a chase. Well, Riggs go after Joshua, who's running away, and then 
as he's chasing him, Murtaugh decides to stay so he can get the general, which he does his usual, let me crank my neck a little bit, aim, shoot, kill the driver, causing the cars to crash, hit a bus, flip over, caught on fire, and explode because there are grenades in the back of the car with the drugs. Right, 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 right. So a spectacular death for an action movie. But my thing is that uh, I'm not sure if a grenade would cause that kind of explosion, but it, I mean, it, it is with the car. So, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, it might have, but there, um, those type of grenades are anti-personnel. They usually don't do that much damage to vehicles and stuff. It might have. I'm gonna give it a pass. Might have because he had three grenades in there. Right. I'm gonna give it a pass. <laughs> the last good scene was the fight between Riggs and Joshua. It was like, right, oh man, right, this is right. a good fight, even though the camera's all shaking and I don't like it. And then it goes to the helicopter. I'm like, that's even worse. Stop. Right. Just keep it straight on the fight scene. You don't need to make it all shaky, janky. Right, right, right. Irritating. I want to see the fight. And the interesting thing about that fight is that it was a fight. It's not like Riggs in the process of chasing down Mr. Joshua no, it was or anything like that. He was already captured. And then they challenge each other to a fight. He was like, you know, let's get this fight going on. Because Joshua went back to the house because he wanted to kidnap the family or help hold them hostage, which was the mother, the, the son, and the other daughter. Right. He was going to hold them hostage. But, you know, when he got there, there was two cops, killed the two cops, went inside. He see a note and he's like, really? They they knew I was going to come here? Right. That's right. unbelievable. Right, right. I Or it's like, that's... That would be the next logical step, would be to try to kidnap the rest of his family. Yeah. So they left a bunch of notes there. And it's like, if you got cops in front of your house protecting your house, then, you know, they already know that you're coming. So, um, yeah, and then that's how he gets captured. Yeah, uh, Riggs wins the fight, and then they're going to arrest him. But because of the sloppy work on how they're arresting him, he reaches for one of the officer's gun. Murtaugh and Riggs turn it around. They shoot him simultaneously. I was like, okay, that's pretty good. Right, right, they're right. They're in sync with the shooting. While he's uh, while he's tussling with the police Yeah, tussling officers. with the police. And again, I'm like, that is some sloppy arresting work. Right, Why right, would you yeah. haul him over your shoulder? You're just supposed to handcuff them right, while right. he's on the ground right, right. and then pick them up. There's doesn't need two of you to carry right. you. No. <laughs> right, right. That was very I'm sloppy. I'm pretty sure they tell you not to do that because they can just reach for your gun. And the thing about it is that uh, the gun isn't really supposed to be that easy to pull out the holster anyway. It's but, not, but still. But yeah, but still, that he was is an ex. Uh, ex uh, he is a mercenary, right? He's a well, not a mercenary. He's ex special forces. Ex special forces like uh, Rick's is right because they both have the same tattoo, right? And actually, it is kind of stupid for him to try to resist the rest that way because you you're surrounded by cops. So even if you do escape, uh, you know you got a bunch of guys that are going to shoot you. So that. That was just dumb for him to try to escape. But still, that was you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. Sloppy arrest work. He's supposed to handcuff him while he's like face down on the ground. Oh, I forgot and- another good scene is when they go to there was a hooker that that, that lives in the house that was gonna go visit her because they had suspicion of of her killing the girl in the beginning of the movie. Or having he, something to do with or, it. Yeah, have something to do with it because, because she was a witness. A but witness they about, I saw the whole thing. Right. And they're like, that's kind of suspicious, you know, a little too big. Right. And then they, they suspected that maybe she was in the apartment with her. With her. And then uh, went downstairs and then was able to claim that she was just a witness and not with her yeah. when she committed suicide. The suicide 
which opens the movie when yeah. that they discover is not a suicide but murder. but murder and then you know they go to the house the house explodes and by the way there's some kids there too that's basically not antagonizing them but just being kids right and it was like, yeah. And then, you know, when they go question one of the kids, you know, they're like, don't tell him, don't tell him, don't tell him your name. One of them spills the name, talking about, shoot. <laughs> right, I'm right. Like, what in the world? They, they tell him not to do something and then they do it themselves. So they tell the police his, the kid's name and they tell the police, uh, how old he is. Yeah, I mean. how old he is. <laughs> because he was the only witness to see, uh, on who made, um, you know, how the house exploded. Because he was like, yeah, I saw her. Was that after or before the house exploded? Before, uh, after the house exploded, uh, they was like, yeah, the detective yeah, yeah, yeah. went to him and was like, oh, yeah, you know, this kid, he said he saw someone go to the house, I guess a meter man. And, you know, I, that, the, and then we called a meter coming. It was like, yeah, we don't have anyone going down there. Right, We're supposed right. to go down there to like, you know, next month or whatever. Right. And then, you know, they question him, tell him, you know what he looked like, tell him, was he white or black? He was white, or black, or blonde hair, he had blonde hair. Tell him, he also had something on him, it was like, he had a drawing on him, like, yeah. And then when Murtar got closer, the kid pointed at his tattoo, he was like, yeah, a tattoo. And he was like, like that? Yeah, exactly like that. Not Murtar, but Riggs. Right, Rin right, Riggs, Because right. Riggs has a tattoo of his special forces on him. Right. And then, you know, the kid's like, yeah, just like that, exactly like that. And they're like, oh. And because when the house exploded, they discovered a trigger bomb that was there and it was like yeah it was it, a special kind yeah, of trigger spe- a special kind of trigger bomb and then Riggs was like yeah they use this in a special forces you know CIA type of stuff and you know they put two and two together like oh man this is some heavy stuff going on now <laughs> so uh what you call it so is is that all you can think of for, uh as far as your favorite parts of the movie yeah so what did you think of Lethal Weapon it was good yes it was good it was a hit it was a good. It was just good. It was a hit. <laughs> I win again. I'm right. I'm always right. <laughs> so, uh, let us transition to the trivia portion of the show. We get this from IMDb, as we get almost all of our information from IMDb. Zachary. Start us off. Mel Gibson and Bruce Willis was considered for each other's roles in Lethal Weapon that came out in 1987 and Die Hard that came out in 1988. Mm. And both movies were produced by Joe Silver with music by Michael Carmen. Cayman. Uh, uh, Willis was offered the role of Martin Riggs but turned it down. And a year later, he did Die Hard that came out in 19, uh, 1988 again. Gibson was considered to play John McClane along with his co-star from The Expendables 3 that came out in 2014, Harrison Ford, Sylvester Stallone, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, but they all turned it down. Considerably, coincidentally, co- coincidentally, the script for Die Hard with the Vengeance 19, uh, that came out in 1955, 1995, <laughs> was briefly considered to be uh, filmed as Lethal Weapon sequel. Yeah, so as you can see, a lot of these movies are interconnected in intricate ways. Die Hard and um, Lethal Weapon could almost be in the same universe because they had so many things that uh, were in common. A lot of them had the same directors or producers or whatever. So Jackie Swanson performed the high fall on her own, trained by legendary stuntman Dara Robinson. So that was a that was a yeah, woman, the who woman off yeah in the beginning of the film. She jumped off the top of a large building. So also the stunt was done using an airbag covered with a life-size painting of the driveway and cars, which, like 
a foreground miniature, visually blends into the real scene. This, thus, the editor was able to hold the shot until just as she makes contact with the airbag for greater realism. So obviously today they would use computers, but he has some dude painting the airbag <laughs> to look exactly like real cars. So that's awesome. Uh, let's see. First movie to show a modern cell phone. It was a portable radio shack model 171003 launched circa 1986, close to the filming dates of the movie. So did you recognize, did you identify the cell phone? Yeah. I identify it was a big bulky radio with numbers on the back of whatever they was using to uh, talk into. That was a that was a box that uh, Murtaugh was yeah, using. Yeah, and the general. <laughs> right, that was a gigantic. I'm box. like, <laughs> I'm thinking that's just a police officer type of thing. No, that was a that cell. That was a cell phone. I'm like, ugh. And that's that's actually a little bit bigger than the cell phone. I cannot imagine people carrying that around just to talk to someone. Yeah, and that's all it could do was talk good text. Couldn't watch no videos. Couldn't play no games. <laughs> couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't make a TikTok. <laughs> so Mel Gibson turned down the starring roles in The Fly, nineteen eighty six, and The Untouchables, nineteen eighty seven, in order to do this movie. In the scene where Riggs is contemplating suicide, contemplating. There, oh, contemplating suicide, there is an actual bullet blank in the chamber which Mel Gibson was pointed at his head, thinking that it would allow for a greater scene of portraying the, of portraying the scene realistically and dramatically. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. thinking to myself, that's unnecessary. Just, just, just act, okay? You don't have to endanger your life. <laughs> to, uh, I guess that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to experience endangering his life because a blank, even though a blank is uh, is meant to be non-lethal, you know, it, it at close range, it can cause some serious harm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's that's unnecessary. Just just act. All right, so I'm going to read this, uh, this thick part. It's going to be thick. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it right now. <laughs> From early, from the early pre-production stages, Richard Donner wanted the final fight sequence to be unique, yet also to make a strong statement about the characters involved. Coincidentally, assistant director Willie Simons, or Simmons had an avid interest in unusual forms of martial arts, and he invited several practitioners to set to the set to demonstrate for Donner. The result was hiring of three technical advisors each a master of a particular martial arts style. Cedric Adams was the first expert brought in. Adams thought the best possible way to show just how lethal Riggs really is is to show his mastery of a form of martial arts never before seen on screen, said Donner. Adams thought Adams taught the actors the movements of Caporia. A second technical advisor, Dennis Newsom, brought Jailhouse Rock to the fight sequence. So jailhouse rock is a type of fighting that they use in jail. So <laughs> a technical, uh, the, the third technical advisor was Rorian Gracie, who specialized in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. The filming was spread over four complete nights. Shooting was dust from dusk till dawn, resulting in an edited sequence that would last several minutes on screen. Several minutes? You mean a janky camera action? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> The rifle rigs used in the desert is a ten thousand dollar Heckler Heckler? Yeah. Heckler and Coates PSG one marksman rifle. Made in the 
made in then West Germany. At the time, it was only two specimens. Well, one of two. Yeah, oh, one of two specimens in civilians' hands in the United States. Producers wanted cutting-edge firearms in a movie, and the PSG-1 was borrowed from Bumblebee Wholesales, a famous gun store in Los Angeles. The rifle normally co- uh, comes with its own unique tripod tripod rest, but it was not yet uh, shipped with the gun. So, prop, prop masters wielded uh, the Harris uh, bipod on it. The production had to pay for the full value of the rifle. Of course, because yeah. you're wielding something that don't belong on it. Ruin, and you can't they be use... welding on the gun because then that ruins the gun. So they destroyed the gun so that they can make this movie. I understand. <laughs> you want to? You could just went for something else. Then if it didn't have the tripod, right. at least that point you could have taped it on. You could have not. I mean, no, you, not glue. Just tape it. I'm thinking it, they probably could have taped it on because you could. Break it off after that. Exactly. But now they're like, oh, let's just weld it on. Let's weld it on. It's like, oh, that's that's a mistake. <laughs> it was only one of two. That's oh, the worst uh, part. It's well, one of two. This is this movie would cost several million dollars, so I guess they didn't mind paying an extra ten thousand for that weapon. Hmm. So Murtaugh tells Riggs that Huntsucker saved his life during the Drang Valley in nineteen sixty-five. Mel Gixon would later play Colonel Hal Moore in We Were Soldiers, two thousand two which is an adaption of that battle. Mm-hmm. Now, let's see. A running gag in Lethal Weapon film is the one, two, three false start where Riggs and Murtov can't decide whether to go one, two, three, then go, or one, two, three, go on three. While the gag does not exist in this film, there is one, two, three false start in this movie. It happens when the un, uh, the uniformed cops are trying to prepare to sing Silent Night in a course, and one of the cops keeps starting too soon. Right, right. So you remember that scene? Yeah. yeah she was like, you, stop you. You're supposed to go on three. <laughs> and, and that's when that gag starts. According to a 2016 interview with Joel Silver, Ridley Scott was first was his first choice to direct the film. Due to Scott's still recent tension with Warner Brothers during the making of Blade Runner in 1982, the studio refused to offer him the job. Silver would later work with Ridley's brother, Tony, on The Last Boy Scout, 1991. Richard Donner thought there's, uh, that no matter how many drafts he wrote, Shane Black's original script was still way too dark for his liking, so he brought writer Jeffrey Broom for some uncredited rewriting. Yeah, so when they say way too dark, I mean, he had, like, children dying. He had, like, a lot of blood and guts. It's like, man, we we can't. I'm not doing this. <laughs> so he brought in another writer to put in some jokes and stuff and lighten it up and take away the dead children. <laughs> The soundtrack includes Elvis Presley's song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Darlene Loves, who plays Murtaugh's wife, was a black was a background dancer in Elvis' production, Elvis the Comeback Special, in 1968. Donald Glover played against Gary Busey again in Predator 2 that came out in 1990, where Glover uh, played a cop again and Gary Busey played an ex-Special Force soldier again. Right. <laughs> Basically, they, a lot of actors end up playing the same roles over and over again. 
A clip in this movie is played on television in The Last Boy Scout in 1991. Not only are both movies written by Shane Black and produced by Joel Silver, but Damon Wayans from that film would play Roger Murtaugh on television on the television series Lethal Weapon in 2016. <laughs> like I said, this is a lot of a lot of mixing and matching going along. So now let us go over to see what the critics think. So a lot of uh, we get our critic reviews from Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, we got a score from IMDb. So the critics gave it an eighty percent. Eighty percent. Audience gave it eighty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and on IMDb reviews has it at. I guess I put <laughs> seven point six out of ten. But yeah, seven point six out yeah, of ten. Yeah, but you didn't I, put I the dash. The yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't uh, quite edit this joint correctly. So, Rachel Wagner from rachelsreviews.net, she wrote, My problem with Lethal Weapon is that it did not live up to the script or the action. Really? Come on, Rachel. You can do better. (laughs) Gene Sisko from the Chicago Chevron. Gene Sisko, as I said, is a man of the people. He He know what we're like. He's like the everyman. He wrote, Gibson and Glover make a great team. And some of their early adventures works are exciting, but the film runs out of gas as it turns into an extended chase sequence. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Did you feel like it ran out of gas? I don't know. <laughs> Matt Burnson from Creative Loafing. Yeah, I know. I know. Is considered a, an action classic and routinely pegged as one of the best buddy cop films, but it's always held just. Marginally appeal for me. Besides, compared it to Die Hard and its classic status, seems even more ludicrous. I can't agree with that. I mean, yeah, Die Hard was great, but this movie, Lethal Weapon, is still a classic. So, and it has way better. Well, I don't want to say it has better sequels than Die Hard. I don't want to say that. It's not true, but it's still a classic. Go ahead. Mike Massey's uh, from Gone with the Twins, an enduring buddy film, brilliantly combining drama, comedy, adventure, bloodshed, machine gun showdown in the middle of a busy highway, and expensive property destruction. That's excessive. Oh, excessive. And that's how I feel about this movie. He wrote down what I was thinking. Mike Massey is like, you're a brother from another mother. So finally... (laughs) Lethal Weapon is, as of this recording, available on HBO Max. The next episode is Kingpin. Once again, if you like this show, then please rate us, write a review on Podchaser, and share it with someone. Believe me, it matters. You got anything else, Zachary? No. Any other thoughts on Lethal Weapon? No. All right. Be safe, hug your loved ones, and be outstanding.